Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kid Kong at the Movies. I am once again your host, the one and only Kid Kong. I'm flying solo again this week. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, probably, but uh, that's probably going to be how the next few are going to end up being. Uh, last week had a lot of fun talking about the Flintstones, uh, despite personal tragedy in our lives, um, but life moves on and so must we. This week, I'm going to be talking about the 1992 film, A League of Their Own. It was directed by Penny Marshall, who passed in 2018, actually. Now, Penny Marshall's probably best known for playing Laverne on Laverne and Shirley. However, she was also a director. She directed Jumpin' Jack Flash, Big, Awakenings, The Renaissance Man, The Preacher's Wife, and most recently before she passed, Riding in Cars with Boys. Now, it was written by Babalu Mandel and Lowell Gans, and I'll get to that a little bit more about that in a minute. Uh, Mandel and Gans are well-known collaborators. They have worked on Splash, Spies Like Us, Parenthood, City Slickers 1 and 2, Multiplicity, Father's Day, Robots, and The Tooth Fairy. While it was on television, they wrote for both Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days. However, the story was written by Kelly Candale. Kelly is a political writer, filmmaker, teacher. His mother played five years in the titular league for a league of their own. And it was him who actually made a documentary about the league that ended up being the basis for this movie. It was made on a budget of $40 million and uh, pulled in $132.4 million at the box office, making it a critical and commercial success. Uh, to give you a brief synopsis of it, the film is about the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Uh, a lot of guy, a lot of athletic men, baseball players, were called to service in World War II. And as such, there was a bit of a dearth of professional sports entertainment in some ways. The league ran from, 50, from 1943 to 1954, and it was actually the forerunner to all women's professional sports, what we see today. Every all Whether it's the WNBA, female women that box, women in mixed martial arts, volleyball, like all that. All of that is owed to this league. If it weren't for this league, it may not have ever happened. Um, eventually, well over 600 women in total would play throughout the near 10-year league that would ultimately include up to 10 teams. At its absolute peak, it was pulling in over 900,000 viewers per game. That is astonishing for the 40s and 50s. Like, absolutely astonishing. And, of course, the Rockford Peaches, which is the team that is the main focus of this movie, were the most successful team prior to that and... Prior to its end, rather. And they had competed in four or five, I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact number, championship games as well. But as far as the movie goes, uh, sisters, Dottie, and... Uh, I'm going to get to it in a second when I get to the cast. I'm sorry, it is early in the morning. <laughs> but they desire to play baseball. And, you know, they got... It's a good movie. It, it's a really good movie. It's It's been a little while since I've seen it, but I, I do enjoy it. And it was also selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. Okay, now for this cast, I'm going to be giving you the cast of the Rockford Peaches, as well as other cast members. When it's a player, I'm going to give you the position that they played at so that you can kind of have an idea of who was what. 
The manager, Jimmy Dugan, was played by Tom Hanks. Of course, Tom Hanks, my God, what hasn't the man been in? Splash, Dragnet, Big, Turner and Hooch, The Burbs. Joe vs. the Volcano, which is actually the first Tom Hanks movie I ever saw. Sleepless in Seattle, he was in Philadelphia. Forrest Gump, of course, Apollo 13. He is the voice of Woody in Toy Story. He was in You've Got Mail, The Green Mile, Lady Killers, The Polar Express, The Da Vinci Code. He was in uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is the Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers documentary series. And he's actually going to be playing Colonel Robert Parker in the upcoming Elvis Presley biopic. Dorothy Dottie Hinson, the catcher slash assistant manager of the team, was played by Gina Davis. Now, Gina Davis, we talked about her before when we did The Fly, but it's been quite a while since that point. So she was in, of course, Tootsie, The Fly, Thelma and Louise, uh, Beetlejuice, Stuart Little, Ava. Television-wise, she was in Buffalo Bill. She was in Grey's Anatomy for about 13 episodes spread across about three seasons. And also, she was in 10 episodes of the Fox series about The Exorcist. Now, the older version of Dottie we see at the end of the film is played by Lynn Cartwright. Lynn Cartwright passed in 2015. She is best known, apart from this, for her role in the Garbage Pail Kids movie. All the way, Mae Mortabito was played by Madonna. She played center field. If you, I think it goes without saying who Madonna is, personally. The, the older version of Mae was played by Eunice Anderson, who is still alive. She was in Jeremy the Narrows and in Falling Awake. Kit Keller, who it, that's... That's who it is, Kit Keller. That is the sister of Dorothy. I'm so sorry. Uh, it was played by Lori Petty. She is the pitcher in this film. She was in Point Break, Free Willy, Poetic Justice, In the Army Now, Tank Girl, uh, and Route 666, which is one of those really crappy made-for-TV movies about a cursed road, stretch of highway, that is uh, starring Lou Diamond Phillips. However, most recently, she was in Origins of the New Black, where she plays the schizophrenic Lolly Whitehill. Doris Murphy, who is third base woman, was played by Rosie O'Donnell. We literally just talked about Rosie O'Donnell last week when we did the Flintstones. I'll just give you a couple of them ones she did. She was in this. She has her own television series, The Rosie O'Donnell Show. She provided voices for various Disney pro uh, projects, including Tarzan, where she was Turk. I, I'm, I'm not going to continue to go on right there because we literally just talked about her. Helen Haley, who was the first baseman, was played by Anne Ramsey. And Anne Ramsey has been in Class Action, Critters 4, and in the 2001 film of Planet of the Apes. However, she is without question best known for being in 93 episodes of the series Mad About You, but she also was in Star Trek The Next Generation. Second baseman Marla Hooch was played by Megan Cavanaugh. Now, Megan Cavanaugh has been in a few things of note, including Robin Hood Men in Tights, Jr., and the Mel, Blank, or Mel Brooks movie, Dracula Dead and Loving It, which is one of my favorite Dracula movies. However, I best remember her as the voice of Judy Neutron in the Nickelodeon series Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. Left fielder Betty Spaghetti Horn was played by Tracy Reiner. Now, Tracy Reiner is actually the daughter of the director, Penny Marshall, and is Rob Reiner's adoptive daughter. She has been in a lot of movies. And I don't, there are some people that believe that a lot of those have been because of her family. I don't think so. I think she got quite a few of these on her own merit. She was in Flamingo Kid, Die Hard, Beaches, When Harry Met Sally, Pretty Woman, That Thing You Do, and probably most recognizable for the movie that she was in was Princess Diaries, other than this one, of course. Right fielder Evelyn Gardner was played by Biddy Schramm. Now, Biddy Schramm has a fairly limited filmography as far as Hollywood goes, uh, like The Paul Bearer and Moments of Clarity. However, she played 
Monk's assistant on the TV series Monk, Sharona Fleming, for the first three years. That's where I remember her the most from. Center fielder Alice Skeeter-Gaspers was played by Renee Coleman, Ph.D. Now, that Ph.D. is important because she actually stopped acting in 1996 and went back to college and got her doctorate. Um, however, she was in Who's Harry Crumb while being on the television series Quantum Leap and Diagnosis Murder. Finally, Shirley Baker was played by Ann Cusack. Now, if that last name sounds familiar, yes, she is related to Joan and John Cusack. She is their younger sister. She was in Renaissance Man, The Birdcage, Stigmata, and Accepted, as well as The Informant. Television-wise, she was in the entire run of the Jeff Foxworthy show. She was in Charmed, Private Practice, and most recently in Better Call Saul. The Major League Scout Ernie Capadino was played by John Levitz. Now, John Levitz is one of those guys that if you like him, you know exactly who he is, what he's been in. You recognize his voice absolutely anywhere. Honestly, the same goes if you don't like the man. Uh, Film-wise, I'm just going to give you a few of them here. He's, a lot of the time when he's in films, he's only in like little bit parts where you only see him for a minute, like um, Three Amigos, Coneheads, where he played the dentist, Matilda, where he played the television uh, game show host. But some of his longer movie roles have been in Three Amigos. Uh, he provided the, vo the voice of the radio in Brave Little Toaster. He starred in High School High. He was in Rat Race, Dickie Roberts' Childhood Star, and The Benchwarmers. Television-wise, of course, Saturday Night Live. Uh, he took over for Phil Hartman on news radio after Phil Hartman's untimely murder. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't really want to get into that one too much, but I said it that way. I really wish Phil Hartman was still alive. He, he was phenomenal and it's just, it's a really sad, unfortunate thing. John Lovis has also provided a voice in over 20 episodes of The Simpsons for various characters, probably most notably Artie Ziff, uh, the rich ex-boyfriend of Marge Simpson, which I don't really get why they constantly label him her ex-boyfriend. They only went on one date to the prom, and it ended really, really badly. But he also voiced the character of Jay Sherman in the TV series The Critic, as well as his appearance on The Simpsons. And one day I might actually talk about that. The general manager, Ira Lowenstein, was played by David Strathern. Now, David Strathern, he tends to play, like, high-ranking CIA or military officials, like he was in Born uh, Ultimatum. Uh, but he's also been in City of Hope, uh, L.A. Confidential, Fracture, Lincoln, and you can see him as a military man in both Godzilla and Godzilla King of the Monsters. The founder of the league was played by, uh, uh, the of character of Walter Harvey, was played by Gary Marshall. Now, Gary Marshall, unfortunately, passed in 2016. He is Penny Marshall's father. He was a wonderful character actor. You can see him in Lost in America, Beaches, Pretty Woman, Soap Dish, Runaway Bride, Orange County, and he provided a voice in Chicken Little. However, you'll best recognize his physical appearance. He was in Hocus Pocus where he played the guy in the devil costume. Dottie's husband, Bob Hinson, was played by the great Bill Pullman. Now, Bill Pullman, of course, a lot of people get his name mixed up with Bill Paxton. They're very, very close. However, the two actors are very, very different. Bill Pullman was in Spaceballs, Brain Dead, Newsies, Wyatt Earp. He was in Casper, Independence Day, where he played the president. Lake Placid, The Grudge, and in the LBJ movie. Now, a lot of people kind of snicker at him portraying the president at some point in his career. Prior to being an actor, Bill Pullman was a professor at a college. So, the man is not just an actor. He is talented in other fields. Now... There is a substantial amount of extras in this movie that played various baseball players. Um, many 
of which actually don't have many other acting credits to their name. And to... I don't want to take away from them because I don't want to take away from the fact that they were in the movie, they had their own lines and whatnot. But there's just no real way to list off the things they've done. However, Taya Leone, who is a wonderful actress, uh, she played one of the pitchers on another team. I believe it was the Racine baseball team that she played the pitcher on that. So I want to make sure you give a little attention to Taya Leone. Very, very simple development and writing on this movie. I mean, very, very simple. Penny Marshall was inspired to make the film after she saw the eponymous documentary. She had never heard of the League prior to seeing the documentary. And after that, she contacted the film's creators and collaborated with them, as well as with the writers Babalu and Gans, to develop a screenplay based on the documentary. She took it to 20th Century Fox. Fox ultimately passed. However... When Fox passed, she took it to Sony Pictures, and Sony did not pass on that and put up the money for it. A lot of the cast was just hired through the audition process. Twenty, or, I'm sorry, 2,000 women auditioned in total. However, none of them made it past the initial thing to get to the casting directors, because in order to get past the initial audition, you had to show baseball skills. Um, Penny Marshall initially wanted Demi Moore... For Dottie, however, by the time they were getting ready to cast, Demi Moore was pregnant. Demi Moore played uh, softball when she was in high school and in college. Now, Deborah Winger was actually cast as Dottie before Gina Davis was and actually started going through the, the initial training process. However, Madonna specifically requested a casting role in this film. Madonna in 1990-91-92 was probably the biggest superstar on the planet, not named Michael Jackson. They, of course, were going to do that. And Deborah Winger was very concerned that they were going to, quote-unquote, Elvis the thing. By which, you know, there was a string of movies that Elvis Presley was in that, if they'd have been another actor, might have been received differently. As it is, they were Elvis movies. She was concerned that that's what they were ultimately doing, and she resigned out of protest. Gina Davis auditioned in the backyard of Penny Marshall's home. All she had her do was throw a ball, and when she got the ball to her, she said, all right, that is serviceable enough. We can work on the rest of your cast. The studio wanted Jim Belushi to play the character of Jimmy Dugan. However, Penny Marshall was dead set on using Tom Hanks. Marshall's uh, husband, Rob Reiner, as well as her own films, had had Tom Hanks in them before, and she was very fond of that. Rosie O'Donnell originally read for the character of Marla, however... After Kavanaugh auditioned and was given the role of Marla, they did not want to lose Rosie O'Donnell, so they made another character specifically for her. Now, this is where it got kind of hairy, because after they got the cast all done with, they needed to train. The actresses spent seven and a half months, eight hours per day, six days a week, practicing baseball. They used a slip and slide to try and help them learn how to slide into the bases. However, they had to stop that when three different people got concussions and Madonna refused to do it. And I honestly don't blame her. I don't, like, the phrase pre-Madonna does not apply to Madonna in that it is not because of Madonna that that, that phrase exists. However, a lot of people have labeled her as such. I don't blame her. If people are getting concussions doing that, she's not going to do that. That being said, Madonna did struggle with the ground balls. She, because of that, they they weren't going to not have her on the film, so they moved her to the outfield. 
A little funny story about Madonna being cast. Everybody on set, including the director, was utterly intimidated by her presence. The only one that was not was Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell would show up on set singing Madonna songs. She'd get all the way through them, and Madonna would ask her to stop singing that song. So she'd show up the next day singing Vogue. The two are actually still friends to this day. Uh, filming was done over 10 weeks in mid-1991. There were quite a few mishaps. Um, Anne Ramsey had her nose broken when she caught a ball when the gloves that she was catching a ball hit her in the face. Because they stayed with period-accurate costumes and equipment, there were no batting gloves. They had thick wooden bats that made it a little bit more difficult. And they also had to wear skirts with no leggings. Uh, Renee Coleman got a massive bruise on her thigh. You see that in the movie. That is not makeup. That is a real bruise. It took nearly 10 months for that thing to finally be completely gone. Uh, Gina Davis said that multiple girls actually legitimately ripped their skin off sliding into bases because of the skirts that they're wearing. And even Lori Petty ultimately broke her foot. Not only that, but the near 1,700 extras that were needed for audience and crowd scenes, they had to suffer in an unseasonable heat wave in Indiana in the summer. However, in order to keep them happy, Rosie O'Donnell and Tom Hanks would entertain them during downtime between sets. I say between sets, I'm so sorry. Downtime between filming. They had both dirty and clean uniforms that they were able to use in the film. Uh, the dirty uniforms were accomplished by taking the clean uniforms and just rolling around on the, gra on the dirt. Uh, there were some pretty cool things that happened during this. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell, at one point her character throws two balls to two catchers at one time. She actually did that. She learned that from actual AAG PBL players who, they had a lot of them on set, that were still living to try and give them like an authenticity, like, well, no, it would have been more like this or no, it would have been more like that. And, uh, Gina Davis also catches that pop fly behind her body. That was real. She genuinely did that herself. There was no double. The double could not do it. And Gina Davis reportedly said, well, let me give it a shot. And she managed it. Also the scene where Gina Davis does the splits and catches the ball was once again, Gina Davis. The director asked her if she could do the splits and she said, give me some time to work up to it. And over the course of a few months, she, worked on her flexibility so she got to the point where she was able to accurately do the splits and then catch the ball however in the movie you see her pop right back up she said that was not the case and actually because of that when she did that she needed help to get back to her feet um gina davis does credit this film with showing her that she was athletic because she always believed herself to be just tall unathletic whatever the case may be but after doing this movie and having a lot of these skills come naturally to her she honed a few of them and actually made it all the way to the olympic trials in 1999 for archery which is outstanding for an actress to have done that now it's important to note that the founder of the league's real name was philip k wrigley of wrigley field um they obviously wanted to fictionalize some aspects of it, so instead of it being Philip K. Wrigley, the man's name was Walter Harvey, and he was a candy mogul and not a gum mogul. Uh, the tryout, all the tryouts for the what you see in the film, like the tryout scene in the film, was filmed at Wrigley Field, which was dubbed over as Harvey Field. The home games were filmed at League Stadium in uh, I want to. I can't remember the name of the city specifically, but it was in Indiana. While the championship game was filmed at Bose Field in Evansville, Indiana. None of the girls have any real bad stories from filming. They, they seem to have a very smooth, apart from the mishaps that are normal with athletics, which I think is the only real way that you can call these, these 
incidents. It's that it's just simple athletic mishaps. It's the stuff that happens when you practice. The girls played real games, both on camera and off camera, to strengthen their their what they appeared to be doing. Um, the only thing that they did that was not like when the cameras were rolling and the balls needed to be thrown specifically, or they were being hit, they were softer. Like, they had a soft center, and that was strictly because a lot of the time, the ball would be flying directly at the cameraman, and you can't have a standard baseball flying straight at a $30,000 camera. Incidentally, that $40 million uh, budget, I gotta believe a majority of that was because of Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell, because at the time, they were two of the biggest stars around. Rosie O'Donnell was a big star in Hollywood, but Madonna was one of the biggest stars, period. So I I do kind of believe that that had something to do with that. Uh, they uh, finished filming after 10 weeks, went into post-production. Post-production was a very simple process. There wasn't a whole lot of editing that really needed to be done. Just They did cut a few scenes. Uh, they cut background. like The original cut of the film was nearly four hours long, which is a- a- astonishing to think of. And a lot of the character background stories were cut because of that. Uh, conversations about premarital relations... Uh, there was a romantic subplot that was done for Dottie and Jimmy that they did not care for with test audiences, so they cut that, and the only scene that remains of any kind of tension like that is when she and he are having the position meeting at that point in the film. Um, they cut out little tidbits about characters like so-and-so's husband worked at a cheese factory and loved cheese. Things, Little things that... Would have been like, well, that's kind of cool to know. But at the same time, they weren't necessary to the movie, so they cut them out. Uh, Madonna wrote a song for the movie that was played over the end credits. However, that song was not attached to the soundtrack for copyright and legal reasons. It was released July 1st of 1992 and grossed $13.2 million in its opening weekend. It's second. It came in second behind Batman Returns opening weekend. Its second weekend, it only dropped 15% pulling in $11.5 million. Overall, it pulled in $107.5 million at the domestic box office and $24.9 million internationally for a full box office of $132.4 million. To this day, it is still the highest-grossing baseball film of all time. It beat out uh, 42, which had Chadwick Boseman starring as Jackie Robinson. That grossed 95. And I believe the next one behind that is Moneyball at... 91 but it, it's beat out others it's beat out field of dreams major league a whole bunch it was a critical and commercial success there were no real detractions that critics could make about the movie the performances of the actors particularly gina davis and tom hanks were praised however madonna was called a very serviceable actress in her first big movie role that she had done like this um i'm not going to linger on madonna any more than that i have my own personal feelings about what she's still doing. I I think it would be nice. I think she's done enough and could retire, honestly, but I don't think she's going to. And by December of 2012, it was again placed in the National Film Registry and deemed culturally significant because of that. Uh, They made a TV series in 1993 that was not well received. Uh, A couple of the actresses did return. However, most of them did not. Although John Lovitz did reprise his role in one episode. It was ultimately canceled with two episodes left to air. However, 
Amazon has greenlit a new series back in 2020 and has begun filming already. This is something that the movie actually could have been done as a television series very well. Uh, when you're talking about something that is a league, like a season league, yeah, you can cut through that with a movie. You can even cut through that in a, t a single television episode because you can just show little bits here and there and just, oh, they won this, they lost this. Mighty Ducks did a great job at that in that you'd see segments of games they'd won, but you only see the whole games. Like, you only see the whole first game, the whole middle game, and the whole final game. And that's why the Mighty Ducks TV series that Disney Plus made did as well as it did, because, oh, we were getting the whole season out of this. And it's, just, it's the same thing. I think this is something that can be very successful if it's done as a whole, as a TV series, because then you're going to get more exploration of the different games, storylines, issues behind the scenes. There are dozens of books and reference material and even living player, even living players still from the league that can provide quite a bit of information to really really make this a, a good thing. Like there, there's there's more to come out of this, I believe. And that that's the main point I'm trying to make. Uh, I personally really like the movie. Of course, the epic well-known line of there is no crying in baseball. When he said there's no crying in baseball, they, they thought it was great. They thought it was a good line. They did not realize it was going to be the defining line from the film. Uh, I first saw the movie when I was like eight or nine years old. I really enjoyed it. At the time, I was trying to play baseball, so I was really trying to absorb everything baseball-related I could. Now, that being said, I sucked at baseball. I was I was not great at catching the ball. Um I was all right at throwing the ball, but ultimately I developed shoulder problems later in life, so I think that's probably why I had a ceiling as far as that kind of thing goes. I could hit the crap out of it, though. Like uh, I think my first four or five at-bats, I never even bothered swinging because I just I didn't. And finally the coach was like, you know what, just, just swing. And I hit it, and I got a double. So I was able to do that. Um, I never could slide, unfortunately, so I... I I don't think I scored more than maybe two points my entire two years playing Little League Baseball. But I still enjoyed some of the memories that I made of it. And I to this day, I can watch it. Uh, my grandfather was a fan of the Seattle Mariners, and we would watch the games. He took me to a couple of games. I, I have good memories of baseball. So I do enjoy baseball to an extent. And I enjoyed this movie tremendously. If you've never seen A League of Their Own, but I'd say run out and see it. But the thing is, if you're not a sports fan or a sports movie fan, you may not like this because while they do have the, of course, obligatory aspects of a movie that you're going to see, it is at its core still a sports game. A majority of the film is about the sport. So if you don't like that kind of thing, you may not like this movie. However, if you do like that kind of thing, Watch this movie. It's it's a great movie. I, I really like it myself. I told y'all this was going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. Unfortunately, uh, while there is a substantial amount of information out there about the actual Rockford Peaches team, as well as about the league, this is not a... I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. This is not a Muppets podcast. This is not a sports podcast. This is a movie podcast. If you would like to know more about the Rockford Peaches, uh, showing my age here, but I'm sure they have books about it at your local library. If they don't, I mean, we all have Google at our fingertips. I have used it extensively in my life. So, 
but this was a league of their own. I did enjoy researching it. I enjoyed watching it when I was a kid. I'm probably going to end up rewatching it at some point now tomorrow <laughs> because I need something to do. And it, why not? You know what I mean? Why not watch that one? It's a good one. I, I absolutely will watch that one. But next week, we're going to be talking about Life of Pi. That's another movie that is based on a book. However, there's quite a bit more about that movie when it came into development. And that's one of the most visually beautiful movies I've ever seen. And as such, there is going to be a little bit of talk about Avatar in that. And I'll explain that when we get to that. But after that, like I said uh, last week when we did the Flintstones, I am really going to try to get Cal and Ian in here so that we can discuss Batman 1989 before I go to Utah for a week. If we're unable to do that, I will announce next week what the movie will be that I'll be talking about after that. However, I want to remind you again that while there will be episodes uh, on the uh, 8th and on the 15th, there will not be an episode on the 22nd because I will be... Or, I'm sorry. There will be an episode on the 22nd. That will be hopefully either the Batman one or the other one. However, there will not be an episode the following Sunday because I will be in Utah the entire week and just will not have the chance to do any kind of research or study for any kind of episode. But we'll be back after that in June. And I've got some fun stuff planned ahead of that. So this is a League of Their Own. Hope you enjoyed it. I am Kid Kong. I will see you at the movies.